Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Podstetrics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podstetrics. Welcome, episode 20 today. Episode, this is 20 weeks of recording with you. I know. It's kind of crazy. I would have thought. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about PROM and pre-PROM, otherwise known as pre-labor rupture of membranes and pre-term pre-labor rupture of membranes. Yeah, and before we get started, we'll start off with a medical disclaimer. So this podcast is not to be used for medical advice. If you do have any queries or concerns, please see your healthcare provider. Yep. So um, we haven't been doing this lately, but we are going to start off with a case study. Mm-hmm. Um, so Casey is a 31-year-old G2P1 who is currently 35 weeks pregnant. She has had an uneventful pregnancy this far. She was sitting at home because she was feeling slightly unwell, just a fever which she had put down to the recent bug which was travelling around in her family. While she was watching TV, she suddenly felt a wetness in her pants. When she went to the bathroom to check, she saw a small amount of clear fluid had pulled in her pad. Yeah. I said that really broken. I was like, no, 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 no. That's right. <laughs> a little bit of editing. Before, <laughs> before we go on, though, let's just define some really key terms in this. So let's start off with PROM. So PROM stands for pre-labor rupture of membranes. This happens in 10% of all pregnancies, so it happens a lot, and it's a really common cause um, of an induction of labor. 30% of pre-labor rupture of membrane cases are preterm, so they occur before 37 weeks. Um, really here, the main thing that we're talking about is this rupture of membranes that occurs prior to the onset of labor. So normally we have th- something called SHROM, which is your spontaneous rupture of membranes. And this is when you have your membranes rupturing and then the woman goes into labor, so commonly known as you know breaking the waters. Yeah. Um, so when the membranes rupture first, um, before the woman... Um, goes into labor this is what we know as prom and then next we have p-prom which is your preterm pre-labor rupture of membranes and this occurs between 23 to 36 plus six weeks here um, really what's occurring is we're having preterm birth alongside a preterm rupture of membranes yeah um, and then we end with something called previable p-prom which is when the rupture of membranes happens before 24 weeks. And here, unfortunately, the baby's usually not viable. Yeah. So how common are PROM and pre-PROM? So in regards to the epidemiology of PROM, we're looking at in approximately 10% of all pregnancies, which is quite high as one Mm -hmm. in 10 women. And then for pre-PROM, we're looking at 3%, so slightly lower, but still too high. Mm -hmm. In regards to signs and symptoms with PROM, this can really differ between each pregnancy but what we usually see is a gush of fluid from the vagina vaginal bleeding or a feeling of wetness as described in the case study before so now we go into the risk factors so the risk factors for pprom are infection smoking antipartum hemorrhage or any bleeding during pregnancy polyhydramnia so too much amniotic fluid having multiple pregnancies as this puts a stretch um, on the amniotic membrane um, and then cone biopsy of the cervix. So this is commonly done for cervical cancer. And this, again, really puts strain on the cervix and can really make the cervix dilate easily, easily during pregnancy. Yeah. For previable PPROM, the risks are iatrogenic complications, so things like um, side effects from procedures like amniocentesis, infection again, cervical incompetence, so that's commonly due to things like a short cervix or, again, cone biopsy of the cervix, and then placental abruption. Beautiful. So when taking a history as per Better Safe Care Victoria, which is, I guess, a website, everyone was describing it to me before because I'd never heard of it before, but it's a really good website for you to go on to and have a look at different management plans and history taking techniques for different uh, diseases during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so in regards to taking a history for a woman that's coming with the symptomatic of things like PROM and PPROM, uh, we're, we're asking questions such as when did the membranes rupture at a specific time? Uh, we're looking at the volume or color of the fluid in the pad. We're asking, does the woman feel unwell? And usually this will present itself as a fever or shortness of breath. Um, we're also looking at any previous um, gynae or medical problems or any discharge, uh, any problems during pregnancy. So things like placenta previa as well. We want to look at GBS status. And if you remember to our past episode, GBS is just our group B streptococcus. We're looking at whether or not she's a singleton or whether she has a twin pregnancy or any other multiple pregnancy, um, previous C-section and previous P-PROM or PROM in previous pregnancies if she's a multip. Yeah. Yep. So now we move on to the examination. So firstly, obviously, we do um, an abdominal examination. And here we're looking at things like lie and presentation, engagement. But we're also having a look to see if there's any tenderness to indicate infection. And then after that, we move on to a sterile speculum examination. And really, this is done, first of all, to see if the cervix is dilated and if the membranes have ruptured. Um, and this is to check if the woman is going into labor, um, but also to check if there's any uh, fluid pooling in the vaginal vault. So I think we've talked about before in our very first episodes on the physiology of pregnancy, the actual structure of the vaginal canal mm -hmm. and how there are fornixes in the canal, which are basically little divots in the canal. And so if a woman is lying on her back, there are parts of the vaginal canal where fluid can pull. Yeah. Um, and on the speculum exam, you can see this. Generally, we don't really perform the digital um, vaginal examination unless um, labor is imminent. And this is really because we don't want to increase the risk of any ascending infection. So again, on the speculum exam, we're looking for any pooling um, of the amniotic fluid. And if we can't see any of that Lycor, um, then we can use a test um, that's called the amnishore. Um, and this is really to confirm the presence of amniotic fluid in the vault, which would mean that the amniotic fluid membrane is ruptured. We can also take then some of that fluid, uh, put it on a microscope, um, and look for something called ferning, which is the way it looks really. Yeah. Um, and then we're also going to do a CTG, and this is really to assess for fetal well-being. Yeah. In regards to diagnosis for PROM, we're looking at, again, a fluid, fluid pooling in the vagina during the speculum, as well as cervical dilata dilation. Um, when we're looking through investigations for PROM and pre-PROM, for PROM first, we're looking to swab for infection. Uh, we're performing a CTG. So if baby is less than 28 weeks, then um, we check fetal heart rate with a Doppler. And if baby is greater than 28 weeks, then we use a CTG. Um, and again, an amniotic to look for amniotic fluid. In regards to PPROM, when we're monitoring mum, we do swabs for GBS again. We're looking for temperature, an increased temperature, so greater than or equal to 38 degrees. We're looking for tachycardia or an increase in heart rate, uterine tenderness and uterine activity, vaginal discharge. Uh, we're doing a white cell count on mum and we're looking for flu-like symptoms as well. Uh, whereas for baby, we're also looking for tachycardia, so again, increased heart rate. Uh, we're looking to perform a CTG either three times a week, then twice weekly. And then we're looking for BPP if under uh, 38 weeks, isn't it? Yeah, if under yeah, 38 which weeks, is so our biophysical profile. Thank you. Um, as well, there's um, currently in the medical literature, they say that there's a really low utility at the moment for CRP. Mm -hmm. So CRP or C-reactive protein is commonly used to look or to indicate um, infection. Mm -hmm. And it's not really well known to be well correlated in choriamnionitis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in regards to treatment for PPROM, we usually admit women into hospital and women are encouraged, well, asked to stay in hospital until the delivery of baby. Uh, we deliver steroids if less than 34 weeks, um, and that's really to increase the maturation of um, baby's lungs just in case baby does need to be delivered prematurely. 
Um, we do a short course of antibiotics, again, just in case infection. Um, and we may consider tocolysis. So tocolysis is really to stop urine yeah. contractions. Yeah. Um, and if less than 34 weeks in birth, and that's done if baby is less than 34 weeks and birth isn't imminent. Um, at 37 weeks, we do consider delivery. Um, we do consider induction of labour if more than 38, 34 weeks, sorry. And we do this by weighing up the benefits and risks to both mum and baby. Mm. So that becomes a pretty serious discussion with mum and mum's partner. Uh, in regards to pre-viable PPROM, we're looking at a potential termination of pregnancy, a probable termination of pregnancy, which unfortunately. Um, babies... Babies born to women who have received antibiotics co antibiotic cover and who are asymptomatic, we monitor for 20, 12 to 24 hours and then discharge. If there are any signs of infection... <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I held in the cop for so long. <laughs> Excuse you. Um, if there are any signs of infection, we do a septic workup and treatment with appropriate antibiotics. We observe for 24 to 48 hours and we transfer to tertiary neonatal hospital. Yeah, so in 95% of cases, neonates or septic become symptomatic in the first 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So that's why that first day is really important yeah. in terms of observations. Um, as well, if chorioamnionitis is suspected or if the birth takes place less than 34 weeks, then the placenta is sent for histopathology. Yeah. I don't actually know if we've spoken about choreo before. No, we haven't. Not no, yet. No, we haven't. Not yeah. Yet. That's Especially something that we also have to do. Especially because this is something that you're do. researching as well. It's, yeah, it's quite important. <laughs> uh, so let's discuss some complications that can arise from both PROM and PPROM. So in regards to PROM, we have choreo, amnionitis, <laughs> cord prolapse, and postpartum endometritis. Yeah. Endometritis. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, and the main reason, I guess, why cord prolapse can occur as well with PROM is when you lose that fluid, there's more yeah. room then for baby to move around. Yeah. In terms of PPROM, the maternal risk factors again, uh, not risk factors, the complications, sorry, are endometritis again and chorioamnionitis. And then for fetal, it's prematurity, sepsis, a malpresentation or cord pro prolapse. Yeah. For pre-viable PROM, and I realise I've just been saying previable PROM the yeah, whole episode. Yeah, it's pre-viable. So pre-viable Before PPROM. baby is viable, mm, thank Evan. You. Thank, thank you for you. clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> um, for pre-viable PPROM, um, you're looking at pulmonary hyperplasia, skeletal abnormalities, and neonatal sepsis. Yeah. Um, the one thing... Uh, <laughs> I was going to bring it up earlier when we were doing the definitions. We were actually having a discussion with how many um, acronyms we use in obstetrics yeah. and gynae and how similar they are. But it's funny because we've got SHROM, we've got ROM, we've got PPROM, and we've got PROM. And we've got ARM. But it's weird. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is the argument because... ARM or artificial rupture of membranes. Why isn't it AROM? I don't know. I, I think they just wanted to make one three-letter acronym. But SHROM is all, four. I think PROM is five. I think they were all sitting around, all those old white men in that room. <laughs> and of they course were they like, do something stupid. And they were like, oh, you know, we've got so many four-letter acronyms. We need to have one three-letter acronym. One guy was probably scratching his arm or something. <laughs> and the other dude was like, oh my God, the arm. Arm? <laughs> Leg. Leg. Imagine. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our episode on prom and P-prom. Um, so we'll end it with the end of the case. <laughs> so Casey called the midwife and was told to come into hospital with a bag packed for a longer stay. Upon arrival to the hospital, she was admitted. Following the appropriate investigations, a dose of antibiotics was administered and, and an induction of labour performed after discussing the risks and benefits with Casey and her partner, Liam. The next day, Casey went into labour and delivered a healthy baby boy, Adam, and they were both monitored overnight and Casey was discharged the next afternoon.
So positive end. Great. Yeah. So as always, we'd appreciate it if you guys liked and followed us on all of our social media. Um, you can stream this episode on CastBox, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I started with CastBox because that's the one I always forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, just if, if you are streaming on Apple Podcasts, please remember to give it a like and a review. Um, it just allows us to allows other people to find us as well um, and gives us an idea of what you guys are liking and what you guys might not like. Yeah, and we've definitely seen a lot of growth in our podcast recently, so that's really good. It's very exciting. But we also ask that you know you share this podcast with any friends that you may have. Even taking it like to your university body to share it um, with other students would really help us to get around. Um, and we also have some really exciting collaborations coming up soon. Really exciting collaborations, yeah. yeah. Big ones, big boys. <laughs> big boys. Um, so like always, I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. Stay safe, guys. And take care of yourselves. Bye. Thank you.